0: I'm here today with Laura Penny, the CEO of the Coeur d'Alene Casino and Resort in Idaho. If I'm not mistaken, the casino will be spent celebrating its 30th anniversary next year. We're going to hear about what it's like to run a resort with 300 rooms, seven restaurants, a 60,000 foot casino, 15,000 square foot spa, as well as an award winning golf course and probably other stuff that I left off. Um, so. I'm really excited to talk to to our guest today. Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Road to CEO. Oh, thank you, it's great to be here. So did I get all that right? Is that, uh, did I accurately describe the the resort?
1: Yes, pretty much. Um, You know, when you lay out all those numbers, it's just amazing to think, you know, all that we have to offer. Uh, Circling Raven Golf Club is nationally renowned. And it's an amazing golf course, um, receives accolades since opening. It's very proud of our golf course. And we just opened, our, opened up um, April 8th, last Friday.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent. And we got
1: hit with snowstorms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Weather has been hard to predict, I think, everywhere around the it's country. True. Yeah,
1: it's true, yes. Very hard to manage and work around.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how many people are employed by, uh, by the, the resort, approximately?
1: We have about seven hundred, wow. and that's during our busy season. Yeah, and that has dropped. Um, we are part of, part of this national issue of you know labor, and we used to have around eight hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty much operating with the hundred less employees. Um, we found that in some departments that. Um, you know, we're run much more efficiently with, with, with less staff, but some departments such as, you know, especially the frontline workers in food and beverage and housekeeping, we're very strained trying to accommodate for not having enough staff.
0: Yeah. So um, what do you know? And I know, of course, what's in the news and all that, but, but there's a lot of disagreement over what's the cause of the labor challenges and all that. What do you attribute the, the, the labor shortage to?
1: You know, it started right before COVID. Uh, we were experiencing some shortage of staff right before COVID hit. And um, and then once COVID hit, it was, just, it was just devastating. And we worked really hard to make sure that we took care of our employees. We um, paid them while we were off the nine weeks, while we were shut down for the nine weeks. And um, we paid them their benefits and their wages, Um, to make sure that we took care of them and that we were ensured that they would come back. And most of them did. Some of them we did lose. Um, And then since then, we've been challenged to try to um, maintain our business. Um, We've had to seriously look at other, just really think outside the box in regards to what is most important, and that is our gaming floor. And there were times to where we had to close off the hotel wing because we didn't have enough housekeepers. We had to uh, change schedules for our restaurants. Um, When we were open on Wednesdays, when uh, our steakhouse, we didn't open until Thursday and we opened later and changed hours in our deli. We've had to kind of juggle with staffing, with what staff we had and, um, and really think outside the box and and not freak out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's really interesting. So so really, you've had to keep an eye on the, you know, the profit centers and the, you know, the things that are really kind of driving revenue, it sounds like, and then make sure that from a strategic perspective, you're allocating the staff there. And and in in, in a lot of cases, it sounds like you've had to had to to keep certain areas closed.
1: Yes, definitely. And as far as what contributed towards that, I think that definitely is a different mindset for um, employees. you know, I think the stimulus checks, they were able, some of them were able to, you know, stay at home and daycare has been challenging. So um, Mm -hmm. looking at the expenses, um, some of them, it was more beneficial for them just to stay at home. And, and then they found that there's choices, you know, they wanted to make different choices. They were more prone to step outside and look for other things to do or other, other um, careers or other paths to follow.
0: So do you, see the um, the labor challenges persisting for the next, you know, year, two years, forever? Like, what, what do you see on that?
1: Um, yes, I do think they will be a, a constant challenge. And um, we are trying to definitely look at what we can do. Um, as I said, think outside the box, looking at our own process, as far as recruiting, hiring, onboarding, retention, all of those we've been looking at it much more diligently and, and finding that there are ways that we can become better and more efficient in those processes. Um, also, uh, really looking at, as I said, uh, our schedules and um, our high volume times and um, asking our management supervisors to really look at those schedules, Um, and be careful as far as um, who they're hiring, where they're putting them, cross-training, all of those Mm. um, different processes.
0: Interesting. So it sounds like maybe when you hire somebody, you're trying to almost hire for multiple roles at once in some cases. Yes,
1: yes, yes, definitely.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah. So I've heard that before that there's an increase in, um, you know, when you're hiring somebody now, there's, you want them to be independent. You know, you want them to be, you know, self-motivated even more. I mean, obviously you would always want that probably, but even, you know, well in the past, but now it's becoming more of a of a critical factor because you can't oversee everybody. And, and in your case, um, you know that there's going to be a short staffing, you know, issue.
1: Um, yes. And then there's, you know, um, Wage wars, and we've heard of other properties, and they're paying their housekeepers this this, um, you know, tremendous amount of money, and um, trying to keep up with those wages um, has been very difficult and challenging. The fact we're located in North Idaho, and the uh, state line is only 20 minutes um, east of us or west of us, and Washington State is much different. So, you know, of course, as regards to wages, uh, we offer uh, amazing benefits. And um, I mentioned daycare. We do have our own daycare, very reasonably priced, um, discounted. So uh, it's about um, how do we convey those benefits clearly and, entice, and enticing enough for uh, people to want to work here. Um, we are located in a rural area. We're 30 minutes south of um, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and um, also Spokane Valley is only 30 minutes um, away. And it's really a short um, short drive, a beautiful drive, but it seems as though it's much further because it is located, it's more rural. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're challenged with our location and um, people have choices to, they think if they live in Spokane or Coeur d'Alene, it's just a short drive, so constantly challenging that's something that you know we, we're working through, as I said, really looking at um, how to retain our employees. Um, we have um, programs that we're utilizing we have a morale committee, we have bonus incentives in place, and all of this is pretty new we this is new, new, um, new programs.
0: Yeah. So there's so many things I wanna I wanna talk to you about, but so I'm trying to not jump too far ahead. Yeah, so why yeah. don't we Why don't we back up for a minute and you know? Can you t- give us some background on the casino, the resort? You know, how did it start? Um, you know, what kind of an organization it, it, is it? Um, and uh, you know, why don't we maybe give some context to what what the the, the casino is all about?
1: Sure. Um, I am a 29 year employee. I've been here since inception. Wow which is amazing. Time flies. <laughs> and yes, so it'll be 30 years next March. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be involved as to whether or not we should even get into gaming. Um, at that time, there was no, you know, we had no idea what gaming was to offer. And all we knew is that there were some bingo, charity bingo games at the time. And we we had heard that through this federal act, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, that many of the other tribes, there were, there were some tribes particularly the um, East Coast Midwest tribes were conducting gaming and doing very well. And um, so we uh, were ex- experiencing low um, employment, um, high unemployment, I should say. And um, a lot of our educated tribal members were leaving the reservation. And the reservation was very, it was very seasonal as far as jobs. And so um, we were thinking, well, we need to look into this. And so the tribe put together a committee to look into gaming as to whether or not we should get into gaming, a look at the pros and cons. And I was part of that committee. Um, as I said, we heard a charity uh, bingo halls and we had um, some charity bingo halls located in Spokane, Washington, we visited. And um, uh, Colville tribe, they were conducting, they had a bingo hall and we visited their bingo hall in Okanagan, Washington. And then we heard of a tribe, Oneida, Wisconsin, the nida's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And we visited, we flew there. I'll never forget this This story. I flew in, We flew into the airport and just a mile from the airport was this beautiful resort. They pretty much had what we have today, you know, 29, 30 years ago. And to get off the plane to see this beautiful resort that was owned by the Oneidas was amazing. And to see what they had done with their gaming. They took us on a tour of their reservation to where they saw, they showed us their, their senior housing, they had their wellness center, they had a mall that they owned, and um, they were just doing amazing things with the revenue. They were taking care of their tribe, they're taking care of themselves. And we came back inspired and motivated, and we said, We're going to do this. Wow. And so in 1991, we, we signed off an agreement, uh, a, a gaming compact with the state of Idaho, and we opened our doors in 1993 with our bingo hall. And we had 96 employees. And it was March 1993 and it was cold and snowy and we were praying that people would show up. And, um, Oh, there was, as I said, there's 96. Uh, most of us were tribal employees, Coraline tribal employees and we just knew that there was something great happening. We knew that there was a, there was a sense of hope and opportunity and that, um, this was ours and we're taking care of ourselves. And, um, we were excited to open our doors and to provide, Um, Fun, um, a fun experience of bingo. We call it high stakes bingo. And so the first day, there were people lined up outside and in the snow, and they're ready to come in. And we had balloons out, and um, it was great. It was great, great experience. And um, three years into the operation. We introduced um, our gaming machines, and then that just took off. Wow. Um, I also recall at our at the time our CEO Dave Matheson came to me, and I was working in promotions and marketing. He says, "You know, I hope this weekend goes well." And he says, "I don't, I don't think we're going to make payroll." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what?" <laughs> you know, because that was strain and stress. Okay, we have to do well. We have to make sure people come here and spend their money because we're not going to get paid. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, we were we made payroll and things went well and it's just it's just grown ever since it's been amazing to watch everything come into fruition and we had no idea that we would have what we have today and that is that with the fact that we're providing jobs also revenue for our tribal social programs. We're investing in our community, not just our tribal community, but within the region. We've given over $34 million towards education and we help out with other organizations that are striving to help others in in what they're doing
0: uh, and their good efforts. That's outstanding. That's a great story. Did, when you visited the other casinos, like the Oneida uh, Casino in Wisconsin, I think it was, um, did you talk to the leaders there? And did you share information?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, that is something that um, that I've learned, is that uh, the tribes, they definitely have incorporated their value systems which is is very special Mm -hmm. and um you know in corporate america you you don't see that much Mm -hmm. as far as um, sharing information supporting each other um yes we are competitors but we do share and as tribal leaders um that happens every day wow um and we met with the oneidas and um and spoke with them in regards to how did they start up what challenges did they meet meet, and a lot of it has to do with um the law and legal as far as what is legal and um, the premise of the igra was to provide jobs and to help the tribes take care of themselves with less reliance upon federal monies government monies and gaming has been an effective tool towards that effort and they helped us along with that Um, We also pursued, um, we also met with the Choctaws in Oklahoma. Uh, they had huge bingo halls and they had beautiful casinos today and they came and we consulted with them for a couple of months, uh, actually for several months, they came and helped us start our bingo wow. and, um, they came in and we met with them and they sat down on one of the programs and just set us up. And so, um, perfect example of tribes helping each other and supporting each other, you know, during this pandemic, um. As CEO, you know, this is something that we've never experienced before. Um, We had no reference. And so I outreached to other CEOs, the other tribal casinos, and um, said, hey, this is, you know, we're we're going to close. And um, are you closing? And even when we're going to open, we were... You know, we knew we had to open, but we had to do it safely. And then I contacted the, you know, I stayed in contact with them. And all the while through this whole pandemic, even to this day, um, I still make contact with some of the CEOs and check in with them in regards to labor shortage and protocols and um, even policies. And and, um, so we have that open dialogue. As I said, we are competitors, but we do support each other. And that underlying basis is the fact that we're taking care of our tribe and trying to do best for our communities. And so we have that that um, that understanding and um, that's what we share together. And I, I, I kind of alluded, but um, in regards to value system, that has what has been a basis for what we've done um, and the purpose and the vision is to take care of our next generations to come. And gaming has provided that for us. So, in that even that same value system has carried us through this pandemic, has provided answers for us during this pandemic. Um, As I said, it was so important that we open our doors, but we had to do it safely. And that value system helped drive us do what was right and um, provided that vision to carry us through.
0: So I want to hear about the pandemic because you obviously were on the front line of of businesses that are affected that were affected by the pandemic um, in the hospitality. Um, but but first, I'm curious, how big is the tribe? Is it how many members? You know, what's the geographic radius of it?
1: Um, well, it's 365,000 acres. Mm-hmm. Um, it encompasses. Um, It is checkerboarded though. We do not own all of the land Mm -hmm. and we've taken our gaming dollars and actually bought back some of our land within our own reservation. Um, And we have about 2,300 tribal members, about a thousand live on the reservation. Mm -hmm. And we're currently coming up on our election time. Uh, May, we vote for um, our tribal council, we have uh, three year staggered terms. And so we have two tribal um, council persons that are up for their position. And then so we have a total of seven members. And once the seven members are voted in by the constituents of the tribe, then um, that council they vote who is chairman, vice chairman and secretary.
0: I see. Very interesting. And when you're buying back property, is that because individuals may have sold the property, um, you know, individual tribal members, or is it just because the property may not have been there to begin with?
1: We, we buy back, it's several different things. So there are, um, there are, um, landowners who are not Indian Hmm. and they want to sell. And then, so they will approach the tribe. Um, we've had that. There's also uh, tribal members from other tribes, um, fraction land that they want to sell. So they sell, but we buy back as well. So um, it's, um, we bought, we bought a big chunk of land uh, last year and, um, you know, the development is just booming out here. And I think that's smart and it's, you know, of course, we want to have buy back our own land yeah. and have that land base. Um, but development, it's just booming out here. There's a lot of people moving to North Idaho mm-hmm. um, from Washington, from Oregon, Texas, and California, of course. And um, it's where we have a housing shortage. There's... Mm-hmm. Um, the infrastructure, we're challenged with the infrastructure. In the tribe, the reservation is pretty open. As I said, it's rural. And so the development is moving on to the reservation. And so it behooves us to buy back our land and to manage mm-hmm. the land as we see fit and to take care of our land base and our infrastructure and, of course, our waters and our, mm-hmm. and our in
0: our labs. Okay, so um, so now let's let's turn to the the pandemic because you know so I, I work with a wide variety of companies and so I and I know that some companies were not you know they they were not hit hard by the pandemic. You know it didn't it didn't lead to a loss of revenue and then and then other companies you know that operate restaurants, hotels, you know, things like that were, you know, were hit the hardest. Um, Sorry, let's take a little pause here. I think I I probably <laughs> hear my my dog in the background. <laughs> I think she, I think she'll be she'll be quiet now. Um, so um, I'm just gonna make a note of the time. That I'm gonna that grab a tissue. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Twelve twenty three. We'll go ahead and be able to cut that out. Um, all right. So um, and I think this is awesome. You're, this is really great and is very enlightening so far. I mean, really love this. Um,
1: there's a, there's a lot.
0: A yeah. Lot. And that's, that's the best. I mean, that's the best for these types of, of shows to, when we, cause we can learn all sorts of things.
1: And you can kind of take it in, you know, there's so much going on in regards to, you know, the tribe and the legal issues and also the business. And there's so many different yeah. you
0: know, directions. Ab- you absolutely. Know. So let's talk about your response to the pandemic. So uh, I, assume, you know, March, 2020 things changed dramatically. What, what happened? What, what, what was that like for you?
1: Well, I have strived to become CEO for years. As I said, I've been uh, an employee for 29 years and I've seen a lot and experienced a lot. So I was anxious to take on the position. I applied for the position uh, three other times. And so finally I got my CEO position in October, 2019 and, um, jumped in and was ready to do some amazing things we did. We jumped in and started, um, my whole, um, my vision was to bring the team together and of course make money. And we jumped on that effort and, and started on track and then COVID hit. Um, and that was just so, um, overwhelming and, um, we didn't have no idea what to do. Um, but, as I said, the tribe is so strong in regards to the value system. The tribe um, developed a task force, and um, we were looking at the data, um, the local data nationally. You know, it was just the numbers were huge. people were dying. It was very, very concerning. Um, in Idaho, it seemed that, as I said, that we're in a rural area, so the numbers weren't as high, and we we're monitoring the numbers. We got together with our local health officials. We have a beautiful Mariman health um, facility, and um, our tribal leaders, along with the school districts, our local tribal school, as well as the school district, and um, council members, myself and our CFO. And we sat down, we looked at the data, and we're trying to figure out where do we go and how do we address this? We decided to close down the casino a week before the the governor, the state, the governor of Idaho closed the state. And that was a very difficult decision because we are business and we're here to make money. And we rely upon those monies, as I said, for um, support of our tribe, as far as jobs, but also for programs. So it was very concerning, but we were concerned that we were, um, providing a source for the virus to spread, and we wanted to protect our communities. So we closed Um, and it was, we've never closed our doors ever before. I think once we had an ice storm and we closed for that night. And so I remember walking down the, from my office down on the gaming floor and it was just quiet. And um, I was almost in tears because I've never seen this before. And this is our source of it, income, our source of uh, taking care of ourselves and looking out to see the parking lot, totally empty, was just gut-wrenching. And I knew from that time that we had to do all we could to open our doors and to figure out how we're going to do it. And we had to do it safely. So immediately, you know, a lot of people went home and it, it was just like a different thought process. Okay, what do we do? Fortunately, our gaming director is a very sharp lady. And she says, don't shut off those machines. <laughs> do not shut those machines out. So we kept the machines on because I heard that other casinos shut down their, their machines and they really struggled to get them back up and get everything, you know, set up. Um, wow. And then we had, you know, okay, who do we we need to protect, you know, our our cage, our, our machine, our um, vault. And so we had security, a couple of security that had to maintain surveillance. Um, And, you know, we have a big MBR plant, uh, state of our MBR plant for our sewage. And we had to, you know, we didn't have the flow. So we had, and we have uh, these microbes that help process everything. I mean it was just crazy all the things I wow. had to think about and, and consider. Well, we had to buy rabbit food, and we had to feed the bugs in our sewage plant so so they could get, get keep that process going. Um wow. it is just it's just some of the things were just really crazy that you know we never you know had to you yeah. know consider all these things. And myself and the CFO, we were at work every day. You know, we came to work every day, you know, trying to figure out what we needed to do. Um, and we met with a task force once a week, and um, we got a hold of uh, 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 some protocols um, from Wynn Casino, and it was a thirty-five page document, which was um, amazing. And we got a hold of that document, went through there, started modifying it to how it would how it would fit our casino. Um, we, uh, as I said, consulted with our local health officials. We had them come in to on-site and look at all the different areas from the restaurants to the hotels um, and all the entryways. How do we establish our protocols and provide a safe environment for our employees and for our customers? Um, because we want to open our do- doors as soon as possible. So we worked through all of that. It was very um, stressful. I felt a weight on my shoulders as far as, you know, every day, you know, we're still paying all of our employees. And we thought honestly that we were gonna be closed for two weeks. And on week four, we're just going, oh my gosh, you know, we can, how long can we we stay closed? We have to open. Um, And then so we had established our protocols in place Um, I checked with the other casinos, the other CEOs. I said, you know, we really need to open. What are you looking at for a date? And they were saying, oh, no, probably not for a while. You know, we're not even thinking about it. Where are you at with this? What are you doing? And we shared with them our protocols. Um, We shared with them as far as what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we establish these protocols. Um, I shared, um, I got on Zoom calls with other tribes in California um, after we opened as well as far as how we did it. Um, And then we decided, okay, we're going to open April 27th. And um, we were ready with our protocols. Our employees, they were very uncertain. They trusted um, management that we knew what we were doing and um, they were uncertain to come back. Some didn't want to come back. Uh, The ones who were able, we allowed them to stay at home and work. Um, And so it was really communication was key. And communication was key as far as, this is why we want to open because it's crucial um, for for jobs, for community, for our business, um, but we're gonna do it in a safe way. And we care about you. We care about the community. We're ready and this is what we're doing and this is how we're gonna do it. Communication was key and that did help. The employees came back and of course, everyone had their masks on. We had temperatures, infrared um, supplies um, as far. That was challenging. We had back orders for machines, fortunately. We had um, back orders and some of our food orders, and we're still dealing with that today. Um, that was an issue as well. Um, we had coordinated efforts of uh, mass and um, temperature, um, infrared things, along with um, the Marine Health and Health and our tribal administration. So that was the task force to help provide that provide that, that source of communication. And we opened our doors, and we knew all eyes were on us. Um, it was similar to when we opened our doors that first day, in March 1993, that I described that there was like it was exciting. It was very uncertain. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to get people from all over. And yes, we did. I mean, it was just, you know, to think that we were the first casino to open um, nationwide it was just, you know, it was just overwhelming. And wow. there were lines of people to come in. And um, then we had to think on our feet, okay, we're gonna reach capacity, but what is capacity? Um, So we had to, we based it off on the percentage of machines um, that we had. We had half the machines we had, we normally have. So we based on machine play. If 50% of our machines are um, are being played, then we're at capacity. So we based it off of that we limited, we had to limit the number of people coming in. And then we're going, okay, what are we gonna do with all the people that are lined up outside? Should we sell beer? Should we, you know, so we need restrooms out there? And our food and vegetable people said, no, don't you don't, you don't sell beer. And so we offered water and we had um spacing six six feet spacing outside um once again communication was key we're having um shift meetings and and discussing protocols what who's in charge in regards to capacity And it was just um as i said ongoing communication was just that's what got us through Um, and it was we had amazing numbers luckily when we opened it was a soft opening and we didn't really promote it. Um, we did talk to some of our high-end gamers on said, hey, we're gonna open the doors. The so ones located in Idaho because Washington was closed down still. And um, and then we had people coming in from all over the country. I remember being on the floor and there's this group of ladies and I you know I said hello how you doing you know glad you know hope everything's fine with here and they said oh we're excited to be here we heard you open and we jumped in the car and drove all the way over here from Minneapolis like Minneapolis Wow. and had people coming in from Texas and and droves of people coming in from everywhere and um Talk to our marketing. And I said, make sure you get all their information and um, we're going to still talk to these people and entice Tyson come back. You know, it's pretty hot in Texas during the summertime. Let's get them here during the wintertime if we can, you know, when it's our, our summertime. Um, so uh, we were on top of that as well. And then uh, May was our, our grand opening. And that was just, it was crazy. May was the month of May we had record numbers It was the best month we've ever had in the history of the property and actually 2020 um, was um amazing numbers um 2021 was the best year we've ever had in the history of the property and we're on track to do well today
0: that's that's excellent okay so so you were closed for what was it six weeks or eight weeks total
1: Oh I thought think it was eight weeks
0: okay, so yes. wow, so okay, so um and then and then when you reopened, it was just there was so much demand, and you were the only ones. How long did that last? how long did uh did those record numbers persist and 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 how quickly did the other casinos follow?
1: Oh, they were quick to follow. Yeah, um, we had we were probably open, the only ones open for a good two two, three weeks, two three weeks. And then um, everyone started opening it up after that. So mid-May, mid-May, they started opening.
0: Okay.
1: And as I said, May was, we had record numbers. And um, um, we just maintained communication. Also, some of the, um, we kept our protocols in place for probably a good year. And I think that helped us through, I think customers felt safe. Our employees felt safe. You know, and then we had to manage through, um. The, the vaccine and, um, and then also positive cases in the form of employees. And that was challenging. We had to set up that process. And as I said, communication was key. And so we were able to communicate. We had a good communication with our local health officials. We maintained a list of who was positive, who was quarantined. And monitored that list and shared yeah. that list. Yeah. Of course, we had to keep it confidential and really work through that. And then, okay, are we going to pay them um, while they're out on quarantine? We certainly don't want them to come to work when they're positive. So yes, we paid them. And then we had to figure out, okay, for how many days? We're trying to follow CDC, and it seemed the CDC was changing their their message daily, if not weekly. Um, so it was very challenging, And um, but we worked through that. Um, and also, uh, trust was important. The employees trusted that we were taking care of them. The customers trusted that we're providing a safe environment. And we did not have no major outbreak here at the casino and the resort. Um, and our numbers, I think we kept um, pretty low. Um, we had a low death rate. Um, but any number of courses, you know, is, is sad, but, um, I think that through our protocols and just really being diligent, um, helped get us through this.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that, uh, you applied for the job as CEO several times. And so clearly that was something you had in mind. You, you wanted to, to be CEO. Can you talk about how far back did that, did, did that interest go? How far back did you know you wanted to be CEO?
1: Um, quite a ways back. Um I've I've had some great mentors. And um, our CEO, our first CEO, Dave Matheson, certainly has been a great mentor, has always encouraged me to move forward and supported me in that effort um, because I truly knew and understood why we had what we had here in the form of jobs and, and creating revenue and looking out for our next generations to come. I knew that this is much more, it was much more special, much more um, above and beyond what we're doing day in, day out, that we're making investments for our next generations, similar to what our ancestors have always done for us. Um, and it's ironic that today we're still fighting for the same things that our, my ancestors were fighting for, you know, centuries ago, as far as just establishing um, and acknowledging that we are Coraline tribal people, we're always going to be here. And we need to protect our community and our tribe. Um, we need to look out for our next generations. And um, so through gaming, we're doing that. And so that just that passion and that vision has been instilled in me since day one. Um, and I've really, I, I've invested, I've embraced that message um, in any capacity that I worked in. Um, I have worked in promotions, marketing, cultural tourism and PR, and um, always um, had that passion to move forward and progress and do well for my tribe. And I've been fortunate enough to see some great leaders and, um, in, the, in my position and watch what they did well and some things that, you know, I would probably do differently. And so I did apply three other times. And the first two times I had my bachelor's degree and, and a lot of years of experience behind me and I didn't get the positions and I was a little upset, but it's okay, I'm just going to keep you know, moving ahead and being positive. Um, I believe in that you should always create value for yourself and looking at um, issues or concerns within the business or your department. And if you can help solve those issues or concerns and provide a solution, that provides value for yourself. And so I always try to take on that, that, that sentiment. And I think that's helped me move along and move up. Um, The third time I applied, or the second time after I I didn't get the position, I asked, well, why? And they said, "Uh, what can I do better? And they said, well, you don't have your your MBA. All the other applicants do have their, their master's. And we're interviewing you because you have experience. You've been there all these years. And I said, oh, okay, so I have to go back to school. (laughs) And uh, um, so I did go back and that was so difficult, you know, being out of school for 20, 30 years to go back and get my master's is very challenging. And I graduated in 2014 and I applied for the position thinking, okay, I'm going to get it. I got my master's and I'm ready. And they told me this is what I need to do. I didn't get it. <laughs> I was very disappointed. And, um, but, you know, I just went home and I was upset. And the next day I just got up and just said, okay, you know, I'm just gonna continue just to work hard for my tribe and move forward. And it wasn't meant to be. And, um, and then this came up and I got the position. And I think that things do happen for a reason. And I pride myself in the fact that I'm very um, calm And, um, and I understand that my position as a leader is to provide good leadership. And part of that is offering, offering stability Mm -hmm. and, and being calm and really thinking things through. And I think that it was very important during this pandemic. And so I think things happen for a reason. I believe that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's a great story too. I mean, I think, you know, persistence is such a vital, uh, trait for, Uh, I think for anybody that wants to accomplish something challenging.
1: Yes. Yes. Never give up on your dreams. And, you know, there's obstacles put in in front of us time and time again, but you know, you just have to have to move forward. And, um, my grandmother used to always say, don't take the bad too bad or the good too good. I didn't quite understand what she meant, but I thoroughly understand today. (laughs) And it's true. I still practice that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so you have worked with the, the resort since the beginning. What were some of your ideas? You know, what were some of your thoughts about how, what was your vision for how you wanted to lead the organization? Obviously, COVID threw some wrenches into that. But when yes. you when you came in as CEO, what, what were some of the things that you felt strongly about?
1: Um, I really felt strongly in the fact that we needed to come together and work together as a team. I saw a lot of silos within the, the, the business in that we need to work together more in that towards the success of the property. With COVID, it did really help bring us together. Um, it also uh, made us focus on what is what is most important. And what is most important for our resort is that casino floor. That's where we make the dollars. Um, So that helped kind of put together um, and formulate my vision to bring in the team together, to work in together. Um, I also knew that we could run more efficiently than the way we were running. And part of that, the way to do that was to listen and listen to our employees, let the managers run their departments um, and contribute towards efficiency and really listen to the employees who are there day in, day out as far as what they do and how they can make improvements, what we could do to improve the processes that they follow day in, day out. Um, also sitting down, we've implemented um, profit and loss um, PL meetings. Our CFO actually initiated those meetings and those are very amazing and very um, informational and important. And also it empowers that that, um, manager and those employees as to how can we contribute towards being more efficient and being more productive. That's been very fruitful for us as well. So just listening and taking care of our employees, bringing them together and providing a healthy workplace. Um, We have a slogan that we call Welcome Home. And this came from our value system of traditional what we call traditional tribal hospitality. Our tribe is known as being very friendly and it's traditional, like when you go into our homes, we open our doors, we greet you at the front door and show you good food and and, um, provide um, a warm, friendly smile. And so we incorporate that into our business here as well. And I really wanted to develop that service, that welcome home service.
0: I see. I see. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. So, um, so it sounds it sounds like um, just to pull one of the things out that you said um, with the P and L meetings, you would before I would assume that maybe the top leadership would know the profit and loss and and you know the trends and all that. And and during and after the pandemic, you've wanted to make sure that line managers and you know others throughout the organization would be aware of the of the current PNL and therefore they would be more they would have more context to some decisions they were making
1: yes yes and we'd have um once again that communication okay your your um you're above budget. What's happening? Mm-hmm. And they would reference to, oh, this order came in late. We had a double invoice. And so that influenced that 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 number. Um, you're under budget. Why? What's going on? And we had that, that dialogue, important dialogue. And so they're very diligent as far as what's happening with those numbers and monitoring. And then having that communication was so important for us to understand what's happening within their departments. And then also understanding that what they're doing definitely influences the overall you know productivity of the business and then they contrib- truly contributed towards our net profit and what a celebration um that is you know that we all did this that took the team and um these little things build up to um amazing numbers maximizing our revenue you know and being real diligent with our expenses okay. has been effective for
0: us um that's great um, so is it, is it, would you say that is gaming a male dominated industry? Is it, is it challenging to be a female CEO in, in the industry or would you say it's been, um, or, or is that not the case?
1: I, I believe it is uh male dominated. Um, there's not many tribal s- casino CEOs, mm-hmm. uh, lady CEOs mm-hmm. and, um, and I didn't fully recognize that until I got the position. Um, and I said, wow, okay. I'm, there's not very many lady CEOs, tribal lady CEOs. I met a few and, um, and we all work hard. Um, and also, you know, definitely in cognizant of the fact that um, I think that I have to work harder, um, prove myself. And I think that, that this pandemic really did help in that effort. I think that when I came into the position, I wanted to make sure that because I, I, I um, Tribal Council, they are my boss. And so I wanted to build trust and credibility with them. And because of COVID, I think that I was able to build that trust and credibility, credibility with them. And, um, but I had to prove myself. I think anyone would have to do that in their position. I think that is something that's not different, but I think, you know, I, just a little more extra add to that is, And so um, definitely wanted to come here and work with our employees and let them know that I appreciate them, acknowledge them, empower them. And because the fact that we're 24 seven operation, I would come in during the graveyard shift and meet with them and also understand what they do. Um, it's a different shift. They do do things a little different. There's like a different, different tone. Um, and so that was key as well as far as building trust with our employees. Um, and it's just, you know, doing the work and understanding and, um, Understanding and empathizing with the employee as well has been um, important, I think, as a as a woman, just having to get out there and, and do the work and work with employees and respect the employees and also thoroughly understand, you know, what my job is here. And that is to make money, but also um, provide jobs for our tribal members and for our community members.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, are there rankings in terms of the size of the tribal casinos around the country? I would assume that your that 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 your resort and casino is is probably one of the biggest. Is it is that is that the case?
1: Um no, I don't there I mean there's huge casinos there's in, in California and um you know the California tribes have have Saquon and Verona. those are huge casinos. I think we're kind of like a mid mid-range casino. Um we have about uh, 1,200 machines. We don't have table games. A lot of people ask us why, and that's because the state of Idaho doesn't have the table games. And through IGRA, whatever the states can do, the tribes can do in the form of gaming. I see. Um, yeah, there are, it, we are the largest in Idaho. Uh, we, there's five tribes in Idaho, and we are the largest of the five as far as our casino. Um, and then our competitors... Um, They're one of our competitors is much larger than than we are. Um, and that's why I really honed in on the welcome home service, um, slogan, because we offer that comfort, comfortable feeling And you know, you come into our casino and we know your name, we smile at you, we greet you and just offering that extra level of service that has been challenging being short staffed. And that definitely has affected, um, that, that service message and, um, you know, when we're short staffed and really pushing our good employees to continuously come in and work these hours, it's really hard to continue to offer that welcome home service. So I've been really, we've offered, um, I mentioned the morale committee to where we do extra things. We have extra fun drawings, theme nights, and um, um, bonus incentives and, and trying to provide and take care of our employees.
0: Yeah. I see. I see. Very interesting. Um, so What's something that you had, you wished you'd known before becoming CEO? There, did, did anything surprise you about the job besides, um, besides the, uh, <laughs> the, the major surprise? And you guys um, are funny? It,
1: it's, it's, there's, you know, uh, we just hired a new food and beverage director and um, he has a psychology degree. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, that will definitely help you out here. And um, at times, you know, I feel like I'm involved a lot of um, uh, social work issues, that type of things. Um, I think balance is so important. Um, life balance. And, and that's work. Um, you wouldn't think it would be work, but it is work. I have to really, you know, work on keeping balance in my life. Yeah. And it's, it's challenging. Um, and also, you now I talked to a lot of the employees, and they're trying to, you know, balance and, and challenge. They're challenged with trying to maintain that balance as well. Um, so that's something that I, I really, um, I've really, I've kind of always known, but it's much. It's just been really um, come to light uh, more often now. And um, trying to, you know, this position is very stressful, and. It's so important that I'm able to take care of myself and that's, you know, exercising, eating, right, sleeping, right. And, and you know, just really taking care of myself so I can come to work and take on these hours, take on some of the challenges that I take on in the form of making big decisions and, and decisions that affect people's lives. And so I think that's so important.
0: Yeah, I, and I think that's critical for all CEOs. I think that that it's so important to make sure that you're you're functioning at at the right level because you know you can you can grind it out and then the quality of your decisions may you know is going to come down. And I think just like you identified, you know, the profit center as the casino floor. Um, you know, I think there are certain decisions we make, you know, decision fatigue among CEOs is a real thing. And if we're focused on tiny little decisions and we, and that makes it so that we can't make good decisions on the, the things that really matter, you know, then that's a, that's a failing on the part of a CEO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do the people come from who visit the casino? Is it mostly, it, you know, within a couple hundred miles or is it, is it just basically from all over now?
1: Um, yeah, um, we are local. We're more, I'd say more of a local casino and local meaning a hundred mile radius. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would include Spokane, Washington mm-hmm. and, um, Coeur Idaho, Eastern Montana, um, central, central Washington. Um, so, and also Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, we miss our Canadians. They're just now starting to come back down. And um, we love our Canadians. We, we we usually would have a bus a month of Canadians coming down to Gamble. And um, we haven't had that in a couple of years. And they're just now starting to pick back up. Wow. So we're happy to have them back. Um, we do have um, uh, anywhere within a 300, 300 mile radius, I consider as our market. But um, during slow season, during the winter season, we rely upon most of our local, local market. We do have a bus program, as I mentioned, and uh, we have people come in. We have the amazing golf course that drives a lot of visitors from Seattle area. Um, And we even market it down in Texas and Arizona, um, Boise, Idaho, which is eight hours South of us. Um, So yeah, pretty much within this new Northwest region.
0: Well, so um uh, I'd love to know, and you've you've already alluded to this a little bit. Was there ever a time when you almost gave up on your on your plan to you know to to become CEO? You know, you you worked at it for for so long, and you know, was there ever a time where you were just like ready to pack it in?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as I said, I applied uh, three other times and I probably each time I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm never going to get it. And it was very discouraged, especially this that third time when I got my my master's and that really hit me hard. And um, I was just thinking, what's the point? You know, I'm, I'm not going to get it. And, and it was very discouraged um and i believe in you know allowing the feelings and allowing myself to feel sorry for myself or be discouraged be mad mm-hmm. and um um but you just got to get back up and and move forward and i really do believe i've always always been very patient and working hard and that's what got me through it was just um just that I'm not going to give up on my dreams and that I just need to continue to do the best. And I'm doing this for a good reason. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I'm totally vested into my tribe and and this casino. So I knew whatever capacity I'm going to do the best job I can do and take it on in that regard. So it's just your mindset and just that positive mindset. You know, I was... (laughs) I reflect, I try to reflect on, you know, how can I be a better leader and also recognize people who are doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, We have amazing employees here. And I've recognized that there's always been this group of employees that just shine and they're always positive. And I mentioned the welcome home attitude and they just, you know, convey that in every capacity. And some of them work in maintenance, some work in the the front desk. and you know, kind of monotonous jobs, they're day in, day out, but they're always just cheery and, and smiling. So I put together um, an ambassador program, welcome home ambassador program and recognize them, put together a video and ask and we're, we're gonna host a lunch. This was just like, just a couple weeks ago, I put this together, host a lunch and thank them for, you know, continuously providing that, that welcome home attitude and ask them, you know, what, what makes you tick? How are you able to be positive, you know, and, and day in day out? And <clears throat> and they loved it. Um, they love to tell their story. They love to be recognized. And I'd like to use them in some of our training that we have, take them out to some of our, we have like chamber, you know, upbeat breakfast meetings and, and have them um, come in. Also, um, I do present to our tribal council at least once a month, come in and, you know, and meet tribal council and recognize them in their efforts um, and have them get out there doing some of our training with our employees, spreading that message orientation. Um, Myself and the CFO going to meet um, during our orientation to bring in new employees, bring some ambassadors in there as well. So um, I think um, that's something really special that they're able to provide day in, day out. And I think they can help spread that, that message.
0: That's great. Yeah. And I, I think having that mission and knowing that, you know, the values that you've referenced, you know, multiple times, like, I I think that that makes such a critical difference in morale, you know, for probably for you, for everybody that's involved with it, I would assume.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I've been here for years and I certainly have had uh, my ups and downs in my personal life and, and professional, but, um, always just get back up and move forward, you know, persevere. And I feel like I have a responsibility, not only to myself and my family, but to my tribe. Um, I mentioned our ancestors that they just have done amazing the fact that we're here and that we have always lived here on our on, on our lands and um, also have been taken care of in the form of um, education and um, our medical and you know, taking care of our land base, our language, our culture, our waters, and looking out for our tribe has always been important, and, and I embrace that. And that's what's helped me to move forward, that I just kind of keep moving forward and doing the best I can, um, as I said, not only for myself, but for my tribe as well.
0: Well, I've learned a lot today. This has been one of the most fascinating interviews for me because I've I, I didn't know about how the tribal council works and how the you know and how the a casino like yours would operate. I'm sure a lot of people are going to benefit from you know from hearing about your path. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to wanted to, to talk about?
1: I think we covered quite a bit. Um, I think that. Um, just having that vision, our our values, really, to, and understanding your own values, and we the tribe has always had a value system, taking care of themselves and looking out for next generations to come, and we incorporate that into our business, but also as leaders, to understand what your values are, and that you can take in reference back to those to those values when you're making those difficult decisions. I think that's so important.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think this has been really enlightening. Thank you so much for joining today.